Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasno, and you can probably tell by the silly and ridiculous tone of my voice that this will be a rather light-hearted romp of an episode, while still, of course, girded in serious topics like human consciousness, and I'm tempted to do it in a British accent, but I will spare you. Do you ever go through phases where you dream consistently and vividly night after night? Well, I'm in such a chapter of my life currently, and it has prompted me to excavate the work of Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud. I mean, dreams are fascinating, sometimes inexplicable, complicated, and on occasion hilarious. So this episode is an examination of human consciousness, and I hope it elicits a few laughs along the way. And I will apologize in advance for the borderline prurient, inappropriate account of a recent subconscious flight of fancy. But I lean on the following disclaimers. One, my well-publicized 33-year career in monogamy with Skyler should buy me some political capital. And can I really be held responsible for my unconscious mind? And lastly, who hasn't had a slightly naughty dream from time to time? So here we go. Last night, in the throes of REM sleep, I had a dream so ridiculously Freudian that it might banish me for life to a Victorian velvet couch. I'm not completely confident if the more fitting venue for my subconscious antics is a psychiatrist's office or the Laugh Factory. Perhaps both. This dream, like many, reveals the typical wanton desires, ingrained anxieties, and neurotic self-sabotage that lie just beneath the thin veneer of consciousness. I've simply set it here to the Benny Hill theme song, and I'm dissecting it despite the risk of some potential personal embarrassment because it provides insight into the mind's confounding complexity, the nature of attention, and the paradox of being simultaneously conscious and unaware, even within your own subconscious. So here's the scene as it projected in the theater of my cerebral cortex. Skyler and I have retired for the night, settling into a sedentary, if edifying, evening of Queen's Gambit. But we're not in our normal bedroom. We're in an unfamiliar, spartan, windowless box that allows for little more than the bed upon which we're semi-recumbent. I crack my laptop to cue up the climactic endgame of Beth Harmon's chess odyssey, and without thinking, my fingers dance reflexively on the keyboard and dexterously navigate Netflix. My index finger hovers above the mouse pad, and I'm about to click the play arrow when the door swings open and a woman saunters into the room. She is ravishing. Her raven hair, ivory skin, and emerald eyes suggest that she's jumped right off the chessboard, except she is more scantily clad than any queen. She stands at the foot of the bed, juts a hip out to one side, and with a devious feline squint, makes us a proposition. I glance at Skylar, and to my giddy surprise, she does not appear immediately opposed. And in the midst of this reverie, I whisper under my breath, This is a dream come true. 
Emboldened now, our interloper takes her place on the edge of the bed, slips off her chemise, and eyes us intently. But before I can even move my pawn, the door opens again, and a vaguely familiar middle-aged hippie dude trudges in. Oblivious to any lascivious drama unfolding in front of him, this man helps himself to the diminutive, unsweet bathroom. Now, just moments ago, I had not even been remotely aware of this water closet adjoining our room, but now my entire attention lasers in on it, like a police helicopter shining a spotlight down on a fleeing burglar. In fact, this bohemian should be arrested, considering what he is currently stealing from me. What transpires now are some of the most maladroit minutes in human history, as our budding menage is forced to engage in clumsy small talk while we wait. The awkwardness of this moment is only further exacerbated by the longevity of this bedraggled man's stay in the bathroom, which could only suggest that his business there was more complicated than originally anticipated. After a thorough rehashing of the week's weather, our brunette guest inquires as to whether we know this man. Strangely, I do recognize this guy from somewhere. I'm searching for his name, but can't quite land on it. I am inexplicably sure, however, it begins with a B. This precipitates a descent into the land of Rumpelstiltskin. Is it Brett? No. Bob? Hmm, no. Bill? I don't think so. What about Ben? <clears throat> I make the sound of a game show buzzer. Brody? Bennett? Bruce? Brent? Byron? Mm, sorry, but no. This name-deducing derby presents a new frustration. While his name escapes my tongue, my consciousness is quite aware of what his name isn't. Skyler peevishly mutters, I don't think his name starts with a B. After five agonizing minutes that I can only compare to a balloon with a minuscule leak, Mr. B-something emerges from the bathroom. He is misted in an aerosol of lavender glade like Pigpen from Peanuts. Totally unconscious of the ruin he has wrought, he notices the laptop on the bed and asks what we're watching. Apparently, he's binging Fleabag on HBO. Well, I've been rendered completely mute, and my nemesis now exits from whence he came. The third point of our triangle looks at us with reluctant surrender and shrugs. I consider a Hail Mary, but I, I know it's not worth the trouble. The moment has clearly passed. She slips her t-shirt back on and slinks off. As I reach for the laptop, the play button still beckons. Click. And I wake up. Looking down, I evidently now have a novel understanding of the hard problem of consciousness. Immediately, I laugh out loud. I mean, how could I be upset? My subconscious has meticulously scripted this entire R-rated rom-com for my on-demand viewing displeasure. Somehow, my unconscious mind is able to storyboard a saga inside of which I am at once conscious and unaware. And internal to the subconscious activity of this dream, my attention can be focused toward and away from objects as if my awareness is bobbing along a stream, even if it isn't. Within the dream, I am absolutely convinced of my free will, despite my obvious lack of it, and this begs the question, how much of my waking life is determined prior to consciousness, even if I feel like I'm in total control of my destiny? I look over at Skylar, deep in slumber next to me. I consider rousing her and recounting this mad affair, 
the unconsummation of which must be a subconscious affirmation of my profound devotion to her. I'm not sure she'd see it that way. Instead, I try to go back to sleep, and I'm drifting into this liminal state before slumber when I jolt up in bed. A light in some remote part of my brain illuminates. Brad. Fucking Brad.